Hello and welcome to today's show. Um, I offer this with uh, a slight trigger warning. Uh, there's going to be some sensitive things that we discuss today, so it might be a little too strong for some younger um, listeners. <laughs> so if you have any small children, you may want to pop your AirPods in uh, or have a listen to this privately before you allow them to be exposed to this episode. And I want to quote um, this author. His name is Bessel van der Kolk, and he states, One does not have to be a combat soldier or visit a refugee camp in Syria or the Congo to encounter trauma. Trauma happens to us, our friends, our families, and our neighbors. Research by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has shown that one in five Americans was sexually molested as a child. One in four was beaten by a parent to the point of a mark being left on their body. One in three couples engages in physical violence. A quarter of us grew up with alcoholic relatives. And one out of eight witnessed their mother being beaten or hit. You guessed it. We're talking about healing today. And some of the stages of trauma. Yeah. So, y'all ready? Let's go. The manifested just when you saw it going wrong, moving through you all alone. It was your blessing. His plan. The manifested. Hello, friends. Welcome to today's episode of the Love Manifested podcast. My name is Shahara White. I am your host as we have these authentic conversations shedding light on love, and that's the love of God um, that's within all of us. And so our hope is to illuminate love manifested in each other so that we can see better, choose better, and be better all around. You guys, I'm super excited today. Um, I have with me someone who um, is very special to me, very important. Um, she marks a time in my life that um, I didn't see coming, but it clearly was one of the greatest blessings um, that God ever, I guess, called me to, assigned me to. And it's the reason I'm here having a podcast to these to, to this day right now. Um, it just marked a very special time in my growth um, spiritually. And um, so I'm very excited. And as you know, we introduce um, the guests by their hearts because titles are great, but they don't tell us much about the person and their character. And so as I... Um, bring forth her heart to you and I share her with you today. Um, I'm going to describe her as someone who is very kind. She's very compassionate. She is um, sensitive, but she's also very courageous. Um, she stands in her truth and um, she's curious as well. 
Meaning she's not just so stuck in her ways. Like she's curious to learn. She's got a teachable heart. She, um, she's fierce. She's protective of others. She's willing. Um, she has a heart of servitude. And um, though she's yet to be a mother, <laughs> <laughs> she has a heart for children, mm-hmm. um, especially the ones with specific challenges and needs. Um, be it physical or mental, or if they're challenged environmentally, socially, um, if they're oppressed in any way, um, they're forgotten, the sometimes looked over, um, the ones that the systems have imprisoned for things outside of their own control. This is who she is, and this is why I love her so much. <laughs> <laughs> and I am just honored to share her heart with you today. Um, I'm just very, very honored. Please welcome, help me welcome my beautiful friend, Sierra, to the show. Hi, everybody. <laughs> that was such a nice welcome. Aww. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. I'm so cute. It's true. I'm so happy to be here today with you and just get to share this moment together. Yeah, we've been waiting for this for a while, right? We've been talking yes. about this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're here now. And like when we met... Let's talk about that because it was so, you know, things happen. <laughs> the best and worst times of my life. <laughs> they were great. Things happen mm-hmm. in our lives. Like when I was a little girl, I had no idea that I was going to end up in this place where I would be, you know, um, facilitating with women, um, what they call ministering to women. Though I'm not a pastor, I want to be very clear on that. Mm-hmm. Um, some people think when you say minister that that directly relates to being pastor. Um, That is what pastors do. They also minister. They also pastor. But um, we are all ministers. If you're speaking, teaching, sharing, helping, caring for for someone else, and, you know, you're ministering to them. So those of you out there, guess what? You're all ministers. So in your workplace, at the grocery store, at your kid's school, on the soccer field, whenever you're talking to someone and you're sharing wisdom and you know imparting on them you're ministering so know that and hold that hold that torch with some honor definitely you know Mm -hmm. so I found myself in this space where um I got to walk with um some women in a ministry that I call the virtuous women proverbs 31 ministry yeah after proverbs 31 (laughs) um and I met some of the most incredible women during that those eight seasons of ministry and mentorship and Sierra you're one of the ones that I met one of the first I think you came in in season two I did yeah and um we connected instantly we did even though when you came in you were a little trepidatious right a little bit (laughs) a little bit but I opened up right you did right away (laughs) And so we found out that we had a lot of commonalities um, and it was lovely because uh, you and your sister came and we, from there, a lot of healing was facilitated. Um, That whole time, those years were very cathartic for me and healing. Same here. And yeah, we just, um, we had that great 
connection. Yes, we did. I would not be here today if I didn't have that group. So I want to take just a little second to thank you for facilitating that and ministering to the young woman that really did need you in that moment and for answering God's call to lead that ministry of Proverbs 31 because I would not be here openly sharing with you um, what we're going to dive into today um, if it wasn't for Shahira in Proverbs 31. Well, I I'm thank you and you're welcome. But truly, that was like I said, and this yeah. is how this is this is what I want to share about that is that our life goes and it evolves and it opens up and it unfolds in ways that we can't always. You know, I'm a planner. <laughs> I'm a reformed type A. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> So a lot of times I've wanted to, you know, I have to, I've been afraid before, before I really got, um, what should I say, grounded in my faith, I would be afraid to take a step if I couldn't see the next 10 steps in front of Mm -hmm. me. And I got to a point in my life where I started to learn that um, faith is all about trusting what you can't see. The hardest part, right? I don't like that part. Me either. Back then I didn't like it that much. (laughs) Now I embrace it, but. You know, during that time um, when that whole ministry came before me and God brought that to me, it was like, what? You know, and I always tell you girls, like, <laughs> I don't even like women that much. At this, at, there, was a, <laughs> there was a time in my life where women mm-hmm. growing up, they were messy. Mm-hmm. Relationships were messy. Girls were messy, clicky. I'm not about none of that. The competition, I don't do competition. I just don't. And I know who I am and I don't, you know, I don't subscribe to these kind of things. But then, I don't know, somewhere along the way, he gave me this heart for women to just <laughs> love on women. And I, and I made this vow to him way before that assignment ever presented, which was, you know, he told me, like, you're, you are one of the villagers. You need to take your stand in your place in the village, like, seriously. Yeah. And there's going to be women behind you. And even in front of you that are older than you, that need you to to admonish, to give them wisdom and to be there and to share your stories and to share your truth and to share what's happened and to direct them and show show them how I was there, you know, and um, and and just and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be the woman that I needed in any specific season. If I can try and for the rest of my life, if I can try to be that girl Mm -hmm. for someone else then maybe I'll be doing something. And that's where I said, yes, I'll try and be the woman that I needed. When someone presents to me that needs something, what will I have? Ne- what would I have needed in that moment? And you know what an honor and blessing it is that you were that person mm. for 14 of us at the same time. Yeah. It, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I thank you for that. It was a, it blessed yeah. me. <laughs> it Definitely. Did. I mean, your stories and ours and how they mesh and kind of learning from you and what you've gone through and how you got through it and how the Lord entered your life in different times and kind of teaching and processing with us that the Lord's with us too. Yeah. That's what we needed in that moment. And so I'm forever grateful for that. So cool. So, so cool. And, and I, like I said in the, in the beginning of, of doing this podcast, like the most beautiful thing that I learned in, those, in that time and even now with, you know, one-on-one mentorship that I do 
is that you can tell in, in, in those rooms, right? Someone would tell a story and you were there. So you can, mm-hmm. <laughs> I say it all the time, but you were there. Someone would say something and talk about something they were going through. And then two girls over, she starts crying and we're like, what's going on? And then she raised her hand like, I've been through that or I'm going through that right now. Or, And it's like, if we would just share our stories more, we would see we're really not that alone. We're not alone because you feel alone when you're it, going through stuff. Exactly. You feel like you're the only one. And then when you find out someone else is, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not an alien. I'm not, you know, an abnormal person. I can pos- I can get through it. They're still here. Yeah, I got permission from my sister to share this little, okay. this little bit. Um, like the power in that of, you know, she came with me because I was scared to share my story and scared to wow. go into this room with women that I didn't know right. and be vulnerable within that. Um, and so she came as a support to me. And then, you know, weeks in, there she is like, wait a second. <laughs> I'm relating a lot. And so, wow. you know, as, as she was there for me, right, then I became there for her. And it kind of just showed that whole full circle realm of like, he knew exactly why he was placing us both in that group. Whether she thought she was just there to support, support. me, mm. she wasn't. She was also there for her. Um yeah. And so I think that that was a really great aspect of that, too. I remember specific ba- breakthrough moments for yes. both of you. <laughs> and so we kind of just always laugh, laugh about it and, and cry sometimes about it. Like, you know, we don't believe in coincidences, on it, no, obviously. But um, it's all divinely appointed. We just laugh when we connect all the dots. I love it. Yeah, I love it so much. So this is great. Um I'm so excited. I just want to get into this because I know I was already praying and there's, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to offer today, but I know it's going to be what it is. So much juicy information. It's going to be so good. (laughs) But before we get to that, my favorite time of the show, you know what time it is. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It is Love Happy Hour. Come on. Happy How fun. I'm excited. <laughs> so I always ask my little choir of inebriated um, happy. They've been having a happy hour already. So that's why they sound the oh, way they do. I so. love it. <laughs> Jealous. Yeah. So um, anyway, this is our time where we ask the guests to bring something that they love, that they want to share, because we're all about sharing love around here. That's what we're here to do. And so BYOL. You brought your own love. Yes. What did you bring f- to share with me so we can share with others? Sierra? You know, the Lord loves to prank me a lot is what I call it. <laughs> um, and so I could think, you know, two weeks ago I was going to be bringing something specific. And then yesterday he said, no, you're not bringing that. You're bringing this. And I was like, but a book is so basic. I don't want to bring a book. <laughs> I don't want to be basic. Um, <laughs> but no, here I not. am. I brought my book and I have a great story to go along with it. And I so, it. Um, you know, I stayed up all night last night praying over this and making sure that this is something that you guys would all be able to relate to. Um, and I didn't realize how important and how much this impacted me wow. until last night. Wow. Um, and so... The book that I have for you today is called The Body Keeps Score, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. 
um a wow. little yeah it's gonna be a lot that just went through me right now yeah say that title one more time the body keeps score brain mind and body in the healing of trauma um an interesting little fun fact about this book um after my trauma i was dissociated so um i'll I'll kind of get into that in a little bit when i dive into this book but there was a span of like three to four years that i still to this day cannot remember because i've suppressed Mm. yeah um those things after the trauma but I remember that there was a time and I was praying to God and I was like, what is happening? <laughs> what yeah. is happening with me? Like help. Right. Um, and I cried mm-hmm. all the way from my house to Barnes and Noble. And I walked into Barnes and Noble and I went down the psychology section. And I know you guys don't know this, but I am a psychology major. Yes. Um, and so I was like, there's got to be something here about trauma because I'm feeling it. <laughs> oh, and I was a young girl like I didn't finish my degrees yet or anything like that and right. so I was still learning um, but I remember going down the psychology section and I saw this book and I read the back like every basic book person does <laughs> and I was like this sounds so good let me dive in you judged and the book by its cover I did I did that's good and um it was it was probably the best thing that could have happened to me and then um I started reading it thoroughly learning a lot and then as i continued my education um i ended up going to graduate school and um during that time i was taking a class on trauma and this is the book that we learned from (laughs) and so wow um yeah the lord works like that and so i was able to kind of process my trauma with this book and then bring it educationally to those that i work with later on um And so this whole book really does go through the fact that trauma is just a basic fact of life, right? Oh, wow. Um, And so lots of people go through traumatic events, but there's a bunch of things within our body and our minds that we aren't really aware of that are happening, right? And so I don't know if any of you are like me, but... I want to know why my brain is operating the way that it is. Like, I just want to know what happened. Right. So I kind of, there's this part within the book called speechless horror. Okay. Okay. There's a part of our brain called Broca's area. Okay. And they did a, a fine they found a finding like looking at specific centers of the brain and it basically showed that without Broca's area functioning you're unable to put your thoughts and feelings into words and so the scans showed that Broca's area basically like turned off every single time a flashback was triggered meaning if Broca's area turned off when a flashback was triggered, then those people were not able to connect their thoughts and feelings and place them into words. And so that's what happens during trauma is you're unable to connect those thoughts and feelings and you kind of just shut off. And as I continued reading this, it is me. Wow. Yeah. Um, 
So sometimes within the trauma realm, especially where I work with, there's a phrase that goes around and it's lose your tongues. Right. So sometimes we see like people come into the emergency rooms or um, I mean, just even traumatized children. And we say, oh, they lost their tongue. And we mean that to mean that they refuse to speak or they've gone mute or they can't describe what happened. But they have enormous difficulty telling other people what has happened to them because their body is still re-experiencing the terror and rage and trauma. Wow. And so I found that it was really interesting for me because it really showed me during like the flashbacks and different things like that. As I mean, as you go into this book, it literally will give you a lot more detail than what I'm giving you right now. I'm just giving you like a little touch of what it, yeah was for me but um it's it's like a system the system is like set up to protect you it is because i was talking with someone else recently you know the retelling of your trauma is traumatic as it is if you have to keep telling it over is it is it it's like a the brain you know god made us so beautifully he he set up systems inside of us that would kind of protect us from experiencing that but if you don't know what you know a psychologist a therapist is going to know what they're dealing with but a regular person would be like why aren't they speaking Mm -hmm. you know you've seen kids they don't speak for years after they've been in a traumatic situation exactly and that's really interesting that there's a a name for that it really is and um it also goes into how our right brain and our left brain, which are, you know, the different hemispheres of our brain, how when they were being scanned in a traumatic event too, like sometimes our brain isn't even aware that we're reenacting or re-experiencing the past. And we just present that in different emotions and feelings like being enraged or ashamed or frozen. Mm. And so there is like the, part of like desensitization or um, really just a time where we're unable to feel those certain things. And I think that's an important part for people to really understand is because the body does keep the score, right? Yeah. Is, you know, there's a, there's the other part too of like adrenaline, right? And so like our cortisol levels are skyrocketed and that's great if we're facing danger, but what happens when we're just walking through life and our cortisol is still up? Like, yeah, that's really hard too. And so within traumatized people, the stress hormones take a lot longer to return to like their normal baseline. Wow. Than other people. Yeah. And so, When I was thinking about that, too, and reading it, like even the people I work with, it's like how you can't work in that space. We got to get you down first. Right. Right. And put you back, balance you out, like back to level. Exactly. But it takes people. Yeah. And so (laughs) that's why the people around you have to be aware of these type of things. Right. Yes. And I don't feel like everyone gets treated fairly when it comes to entering that space um, when there's a phone call made that something's going on to the, like a 911 call goes out um, that something's happening 
I don't feel like the people are always qualified that show up on the scene to help. And so they don't know that they're dealing with a person that's with this elevated, they're in this place and they're treating them like they're regular. And then the response is different, which caused them to react differently. I see this cycle. It is. And, you know, as we get into it, which makes it more traumatic. for the person already who is called through the 911 call was for yes um and so the book also kind of like goes into that but also the fact that people who have been through some form of trauma continue to be there yeah and don't know how to be here Mm, they can't get out of it they can't get out they're trapped there they're trapped in it and it there's a Mm. whole um study within this book also that kind of like talks about um i'm a big lover of dogs and i know you are too yes and i hope everybody listening loves dogs just as much as us but dogs um, are great i will forewarn you that there is an old study within this book that kind of talks about um shocking dogs in cages Oh no! And it is talking about the trauma response, and these dogs are in cages, right? The people that are running the experiment are shocking the dogs, and it hurts; it's painful. And the dogs oh, stay no. in the cages, but then the other group of dogs get shocked in the cages, and they run out of the cages because they can leave. They know oh. it's free. But the other dogs, you open the door and they've been shocked so many times they stay oh, in the cage. Oh my goodness, but I get your point. They do. And you want to know what they found? The only way that they could get the dogs that have been continually shocked to get out of the cage is to physically drag them out of the cage to show them that there's no shocking outside the cage. Wow. Now apply that. Yeah, exactly. And apply that I, I to feel like dog. I had to be physically dragged out of mine to stop, sh- you know, shocking myself. And sometimes our trauma can make us just continue in that trauma and also feel like that's the only way of life is to wow. sit in that trauma. Wow. Wow. It so enslaves you. It does. And there's an aspect of it, too, of like normalizing it and yeah. saying, well, I guess this is the way of life now. And you're honestly re-traumatizing yourself. And that's when you see people who've been traumatized at a very early age when they're young. And then they're in 20s and 30s and they still, and people, oh, they just can't get their life. Oh, the labels people put on others, they don't understand. Like, they just can't get their life together. They still, because they're operate. they've never, ever been they- freed or had a time period a long enough time span where they can find safety in other areas. Well, how can you operate in something you don't know exists? Wow. That makes me so sad. It, it, it is very sad. But it ins- it's enlightening, but, but that's why sad. God has shown me through this that we are the ones to show people that there's a different way. Yeah. We got to help each other. And that's why trauma happens. That's why it happens is because it's going to happen anyways. Mm. But then there's people that have trauma that got out of it. And there's people that are still stuck in it and we can help them. And there's all types of trauma too. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's be very clear. We're not talking about, I mean, I know your trauma is extreme. What, what we, what I know of it. 
Um, but there are all types of traumas. Some people don't even recognize that some smaller things that look insignificant definitely are absolutely trauma and traumatic for someone who's experiencing it. It is. And, and it's not always this huge, oh, it doesn't have to be this huge thing. It could be verbal, abusive, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. And what's a huge trauma to me could be a little trauma to you. Exactly. But we're not, made, we don't compare that. No, but we're made differently. Exactly. But I kind of compare it to sin. What's a big sin to me might be a small sin to you. Mm. And it doesn't matter. Fact of the matter is trauma is trauma. Sin is sin. Yeah. Point blank. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, thank you so much. We're going to post a picture of this book so you guys yes. can see it. Um, and hopefully it helps someone in their um, in their walk and um, helps to free you. Well, that you can just get some healing or, you know, share it with someone who might need it. Thank you so much for bringing it. I love, I love when people do bring books. Yes, me too. It's, it's, you know, I'm an avid book reader. Yes. All right. So let's move on. <laughs> to our word play. Now, um, I say play very loosely because it's not always playful (laughs) but um i have a word for you and when i say this word to you we've already kind of been touching along it touching on the subject a bit but when i say this word to you i would just love for you to share with me first thing that comes to mind all right and tell me why okay and and your word is healing Ooh, healing healing hard it's the first thing that comes to my mind. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, hard. Um, mm. And I think that's such a traumatic, a person who has gone through trauma's way of viewing healing sometimes is hard, difficult, uncomfortable. Strong comes up for me. Mm. Um, and freedom. Mm. And... I really do think that those words come up for me because it hurts so much <laughs> to go through the healing process because then you start reading books like The Body Keeps Score yeah, and other things start coming up like, oh my goodness, I didn't know I had that. right? Or, wow, I'm finally able to put that into words and I can understand how I'm operating. Yes. And yeah. It hurts to know how much healing you have to go through. But it's so powerful and freeing when you are finally healed. Yeah. Um, it's so true. Healing is necessary. Mm-hmm. And we all have something that we have to heal from. And again... It doesn't matter. It's not size calculated. It has to be done. And it is It is scary because sometimes you get through a point in your life and there's a trigger. And then you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I didn't know I need to heal from that. You know, um, you and I share some similarities in this space. Um, we connected here. Um, but uh, I remember... It had to be hmm, maybe a couple of years prior to you and I meeting <clears throat> where I was um, 
I was doing a a bit for a conference and they had asked a bunch of women to come in and you know they set the premise for us just come in and we're gonna video we're gonna ask you a question on on video and we're gonna you know use this for the conference it's in alignment with the theme of the conference but they didn't tell us what they were gonna ask Mm -hmm. us or anything like that so long and short of it um and it's funny that you say the 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 body keeps score this is so Okay, you're about to see. <laughs> All right, let's see it. So, The Body Keeps Score is the b- name of the book you brought today for your BYOL. Um, when I went in to do this this uh, video thing, and I wasn't going to do it at first, but I got called. They needed one more woman, so they called me, and I was like, I was going to volunteer at first, but I, I don't know. I, got, I had a lot of other things to do, and I was like, uh, I don't know about that. Anyway, I got called, so I was like, okay, God, that must be you. Anything you guys will ever learn about me is I try very hard to, because I've learned the value of listening to my spirit within. Sometimes we got to be voluntold. Yeah, volunt. That is (laughs) voluntold. I love that. (laughs) Did y'all hear that? She said voluntold. Yep. Come on, Sierra. (laughs) Yes, sometimes. So I was voluntold. But anyway, I knew there was a reason. So I walk into this space and I, you know, brought what they asked me to bring. And so the interviewer, the camera's rolling (laughs) and she says to me, and I don't know what she's going to say. Okay. She says to me, when was the first time you became aware of your body? That was her question to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I believe I was in my forties or just at the end of my 30s, when she asked this question. And I looked at her because something inside my body shook. It went through me like a lightning bolt. Okay? And I look, and I, I hear the answer, and I see it, because I see a lot of visuals. I, yes. I get, my spirit speaks with visuals to me, and I see it, <clears throat> I hear it, I know what the answer is, but my mouth, it will not open. (laughs) Ain't moving. And maybe that was happening to me in that moment because that's all I wanted to say and all I didn't want to say. And I'm staring at her and the tears start running down my face. And I'm like, and she's patient. Obviously, I was the last woman. So she's been through this already all however many times. And so I'm looking at her and I'm, I know I had a mortified look on my face and I just said, I need a minute. But in that moment, I realized when was the first time I became aware of my body was when it was violated. Yeah. When I was a young girl. Speechless horror. But I've lived until Mm -hmm. my 40s. And I have told minimal people. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm okay. I'm not being affected. I'm not a victim. I'm not the things I, every day, every day of my life. I've thought about that at some point in my day. It could have been a fleeting thought very quickly, or it could be something that it catches me because there's a trigger of some sort. And I'd spend time dwelling on it. But every day of my life since it's happened, I have thought about it. And so when she said that to me and I had to take a good, I don't know how many minutes And I was wrestling with God. Mm. 
you want me to say this on camera? You want me to say this to a room full of strangers? <laughs> you want me to say this out loud? Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me, I haven't even dealt with this yet. <coughs> Thank you. I haven't even dealt with this yet. I haven't even process this what what why is this coming up and i'm having all these thoughts and they're like waiting for my answer and she goes take a minute take your time and i'm like okay well and all i kept hearing was it's time yeah. we're gonna deal with this now and you're safe and what was emotional for me even now you know is like what do you mean deal with it mm -hmm. it's it happened. It's over. It's done. I'm still here. I'm alive. I'm okay. I have a husband. I have, you know, I'm okay. Like everything's fine. And it's like, no, that's what we tell ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, in that space in my forties, then I started to go through the healing process, mm -hmm. the healing process of it. And then in that process, then because of where I am, how I am now helping other women, and I've all, and you know, that was a few years before we met. So from then, God was like, you know what? You have to share this because there's other women that are, they don't know. They're, you want them to get to their 40s, 50s, and they're not dealing with it? Like, be a safe place for them. Exactly. And so um, from them, I, there I started to see, I remember I was watching um, an Oprah sh show and uh, years ago. Um, I'm, of the, I'm of the generation that when she started, I was, I remember when she started mm -hmm. her show. My mom used to watch it. Anyway, many years after she began, uh, she had a show on there and there was a girl on there and she was talking about um, <clears throat> how she was, you know, straight A student, making all the right moves in school cheerleader doing everything great and then her f grades started fa falling she mm -hmm. got on drugs all this stuff and they and i'm watching the show like okay you know this happens sometimes you know i'm just processing and i had kids i'm in you know i'm in my own i'm, I'm good i'm a single mom at this point but um she started talking about cutting and i had never in my life and at this point i'm probably early 30s I never even knew there was a term for what I used to do. Mm. I thought I was the only person that ever did it. I thought, I thought, I don't even know how I got into the space of doing that, but I never knew that there was a term for it, number one, and that other people were doing it so much that there was a term for it. Yeah. And when she said that, it was like, I wanted to tell I finally wanted to tell. I never told my dad. I never told my mom. At that point, my father was already passed. But for some reason, hearing her, it made me want to. It made me want to share. Like, oh my gosh, this is, <laughs> you know, it's like what? I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't know other people were cutting. I didn't know that was a sign of trauma, of trying to escape. You know, I knew what it was doing for me. So looking back when I, when he said, when she said, when was the first time you became aware of your body? <clears throat> when I started to think about all of those things and then how I had lived my life and all, and it's like, oh, you were 
definitely affected by that trauma. <laughs> just a little bit, you right? You just didn't know it. Yes. Yeah. You didn't know. You thought you were, you know, being ahead of the... You thought you were being in control of your sexuality. You thought you were, you were, um, you know, doing things... T- I, I thought I can control this, so I'm going to ha- be in control of it. I'm so glad you brought this up. Because... What's coming up for me right now, too, is like for the perpetrators, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I was raped. Mm-hmm. There was two perpetrators there. Um, one of them raped me and one of them did not, but was still in the room. Um, for years, I thought of myself as strong in that. The only thing they took away was my innocence mm-hmm. and how wrong I was or mm. how naive I was to think that that was the only thing they took from me. Hmm. If I could give a message to anybody like listening to this is that one of my biggest regrets is after my trauma, one, not telling someone right away, which we just talked about, we usually don't. Yep. But two is getting them having justice served because there, I, there is nothing worse than living your entire life with trauma attached to it yeah. compared to a sentence mm. for a crime committed. Yeah. That'll never compare. Right. I have to live the rest of my life with trauma attached. I had to grieve the loss of my life before trauma happened yeah i had to grieve my life with trauma attached to it not only did you take away my innocence you took away my ability to communicate with other people three to four years of my life that i was just like walking through life disassociated um being able to communicate with my friends my sense of safety my sense of bodily autonomy my Mm. uh, my everything you didn't just affect one piece of me. My innocence, yeah, I'll never get that back. And I thought I was strong enough for the longest time to be like, it's okay. There's, there's, just, there's just one part that they took. No. Yeah. There are so many ins and outs that you do not realize yep. had happened. Yep. Because you when you're young, you don't have the life experience to process it. Exactly. You can't articulate. You can't put it in. You have nothing to compare it to. You have no way where to put it in your mind and make sense of it. But you just try to make it through and act like everything's normal and pray to God no one sees it. Yeah. For me, I won't say that for you, but for me, sorry, continue. Oh, it's, it's a lot. And I'm glad you said that about the perpetrators because we don't tell for many reasons. I know I didn't tell. I know why I didn't tell. I do too. You know, mm-hmm. and um, I'll just be very transparent. I didn't tell because the person that did it was a part of our household. Yeah. And I knew, I knew my father. My father didn't play. He yeah. was protective and that could have been something that ended his life because of his response to what he was told. 
And I thought I would protect him. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was strong enough to protect myself, like you just said. And so I thought, oh, I'll just, because, you know, for a daughter to come tell her daddy that this happened to her when she has a daddy like that, I was very clear on who he was. Yeah. Um, that would have broke his heart. And I just didn't want, it was like, even as a young girl, I'm 11 or 12 at this time when this happens. I thought, I can, I can you know what? I'm just going to handle it. But you know what that kind of did too? It made me a woman who Early. never asked for help, mm-hmm. who thought she can handle everything, who, who silenced her voice, who kept things in unhealthily, if that's a word. We're going to make a new word today called unhealthily, <laughs> you know, but it, it wasn't healthy for, for that to happen. And um, you're, you're so right. It takes more and it also adds, it adds a burden around our neck mm-hmm. because we don't want anybody ever to find that out. We think we're, da- I thought I was damaged. I thought I was damaged kids too. <sighs> I mean, that's how I lost my virginity and I held that mm. to such a high standard within my life that one of my fears is I didn't want people or family to look at me different because in my young mind literally the thought that was in my head was it it was just sex doesn't everybody do it Hmm. I was trying to make it make sense for the longest time or trying to minimize what had happened or try and talk myself out of what had happened so that it made it seem not as bad right. or I would compare it and be like, well, yeah, other people were kidnapped and raped. Like, yeah. how could I struggle with what I went through? Like, it's not what we're supposed exactly, to do. Exactly. But I was a baby. Yeah. I didn't know. And it was through years and years of therapy. Yeah. Of understanding that it's okay Sorry. It's okay to remember your story and not change a single thing about it. And I think that's been the hardest thing for me to really understand. I don't have to minimize it. Nope. I'm not, I'm going to say this word, but I'm not dirty. Mm. I'm not damaged goods. I thought I was for a long time. And then I tried to make myself that (laughs) so I could fit that image. Yeah. For years. Yep. I tried to gain control over every relationship, (laughs) every encounter with a man, every single thing like that. I, I tried to make myself what I was telling myself I was. Even though I wasn't. They're dirty tricks. And this is, this is the part because as I've sat with other women and they were questioning, why was I, why was I make, having more encounters with men after that? That was like the last thing I wanted to do. Mm. 
and it's like why was i tr- why was i doing that and then you know all the outside world sees is oh she's fast she's promiscuous she's the labels again yeah instead of stopping and saying wait a minute what's going on here and i say for me what i what i learned years later and recently is that once that door because that violation that's it's a demonic attack on your spirit to be violated like that once that door is opened it opens it brings in a flood of friends with it which are now you're we're using that we don't know that but we're using those things Mm -hmm. to help us cope so the controlling of the relationships using sex now now i'm going to control it yep i'm going to have it and control it and it's going to be on my terms um some people turn to drugs some people turn all kinds of ways Mm -hmm. anger acting out with anger you know bouts of anger they have anger management issues they can't manage um food food there's all kinds Mm -hmm. of addictions that come up because that door that was never meant to be opened it is brought opened up and it's let all its nasty little friends come in and because you're so off you're off your game you're out of balance you don't know all those things they creep in and they're just there and we're not processing at the time yeah you're not thinking oh this just happened to me and now look at me I'm drinking a lot I'm smoking weed a lot I'm having a lot of sex with people I don't even care about. Like you don't you're not thinking about that kind of stuff. You're just doing it and it's being fun because once once you can't unsee it. You can't unring a bell. And like you said, the life that you were living prior to that, it doesn't exist anymore. It just wiped it all out. And then you've got this dirty thing that you think you're carrying all by yourself. Yeah. And that's why as hard as it is, it is so important to find a safe place, a teacher. And, and this is, this is my, my fault with, with humans. When someone comes to you and tells you that someone's hurt them, you may be in shock. You may be in fear. You may be feeling exposed or guilty or shamed when you hear someone tell you that, someone you care about tell you that. Please try not to let those things come out of you at that moment. Just take a moment and listen and try your best to put yourself in that person's position who's coming to you sharing something so vulnerable and so personal. They expect you to reject them. And the moment you let fear, um, your shame, your guilt, whatever, speak before your heart does, they are going to feel rejected and they're going to think, I should have never told you. And this is why women don't tell, boys don't tell. Men don't tell. Mm-hmm. This is why. Because they can't find a safe place to land. And in that moment, in, in that time, those moments following that trauma, you're very unsettled. You're, it, I remember, and I don't want to go there right now because it's, real, it's coming up in a weird way right now. But I remember now how I felt immediately following because no one around you sees you no and you want I wanted to tell 
but I knew how I'd be received. My dad, yes, but my mother, I knew how I would be received. And I didn't feel, nah. So please, if you're that person that someone comes to, know that you're that person for them. They thought you were safe. Be safe. No one wants to just come and just say, hey, this happened to me, and tell you something so raw and painful for you to go, that can't be true, or you're making it up. Some people do lie and make up things. There's a lot of that going around at schools right now. Mm-hmm. But if someone comes to you, please be that safe space. It's needed in a lot of areas. And I think it's important too to kind of look at the aspect of like not only coming and like being that safe space, but when you hear those words and you hear that story, that's trauma for you. Yeah. And recognizing that. Just hearing about a traumatic experience, you don't have to be there to still feel that. Right. And if you so, have a heart, you're going to feel it. Exactly. And so when you're hearing that and somebody trusts you with their story, knowing that you're okay to feel those feelings too. You're okay to feel hurt. Yeah. And sad. Yeah. And it unfortunately happens all too often. It really does. Yeah. And I learned that in, in ministry. Yep. I mean, I can be in a room with 22 girls and see that 19 were brave enough to raise their hand. And the other three. 19 out of 22? Yeah. That's, that's a lot. It's the reality, unfortunately. And I don't want to segue too far into other things, but like... <laughs> um, those were, and I'm not taking, um, like, I'm not, like, discrediting anything when I say this, but, like, those women, the 19 of the 22 were, that raised their hand were adult women. Yeah. Yeah. It breaks my heart when they're looking at their trauma and they're able to process it and see that something's wrong, right? Then I go to work. Yeah. And there's 19 out of 22 young babies. Yes. It doesn't correlate. It doesn't make sense. And it hurts. Because those babies, the young, young girls, they don't even know. They don't even know that there's anything to sort through. Right. And they're experiencing that trauma repeatedly, most over of them. Over and over again. They're not out of it. No. Those 19 women mm-hmm. were not in it currently. Exactly. Those babies that I know you see, they are experiencing it, experiencing it currently. And so it just kind of like brought to my mind of what we were talking about with The Body Keeps Score, um, the book of really talking to people when they're back at baseline with their emotions Mm -hmm. because that's when you're going to have the most success of like getting through to them that the trauma was not okay and that there is a way out but i think the hardest part is to 
talking to somebody in the midst of that trauma that's not at baseline. There is nothing you can say. Right. There is nothing you can do other than sit with that person and be there. For that moment. For that moment. That's it. And that, that might be your only job. Right. Same with like the young adults and different things like that. That might be your only job is to sit and listen and just be in the moment. Yeah. So also knowing that if somebody does come up with you with their story or something like that, there's not, there's no word that's going to fix. Right. (laughs) And don't feel like you didn't say the right thing. Because I've had friends tell me that too, or family, like we didn't know what to do. Yeah. Your presence Sometimes was everything. Sometimes it's just being there. It's the presence. Absolutely. And knowing that you're going to stay after. Yeah. Because I've definitely had friends where I tell you what had happened and yeah. then you're gone. Yes. And I'm so thankful because I did not want you there in the first place. Oh. What you thought you needed what I and thought what you I needed. actually needed mm-hmm. was to know that you didn't need that. Yeah. There's just so many, as you continue with your trauma and you continue with your healing, not only are you growing and healing for yourself, but you're also navigating what it is that you want. I mean, I'm, I'm still young. I'm, (laughs) you know, in my late twenties, um, but there's still so much space and things to learn. I mean, I'm still learning today. I'm still processing trauma today. Yeah. Like I am not the holy grail of understanding by any means of what's going on. But um, I can say happily that through these years, I have been blessed and honored to be in lives of people and women and men who have gone through similar accounts of sexual assault that have made my story in my mind that much clearer. Mm. And that's the good thing. Yeah. And and what once felt so lonely, there is a community of survivors. Yes. There's a community of survivors. And healing is not easy. It's necessary. It's something that will give you hope. And as you take your healing... And this, the fruit, the seeds from the fruit of your healing, you got to chuck them in someone else's garden. Mm-hmm. You got to sow those seeds from your fruit. Yep. You ain't going to have fruit unless you've healed some. Yeah. So, and that's okay. But you have to take those seeds from that fruit and you got to sow it in someone else's garden and let them know too. They're not alone. And that there's books and there's tools and there's places and there's people that are safe places for them. And it's healing. If there's one thing I want people to remember, it's healing is not and never will be linear. <laughs> no. Because you'll think you're on the you know oh. right path to healing. And then like, like you said earlier, there'll be like a trigger or something that comes up and it's like, oh my gosh, this yeah. is coming right back. Well, it's healing, which exactly. implies... It's active. Continual. <laughs> it's continual. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I was just triggered just now. Yeah. So it just, you just got to keep and give yourself 
grace for the space. You got to give yourself grace for that space. And just mm-hmm. to know and don't think, oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm fixed. It's not about being fixed. It's about understanding and living with what you have and learning how to, you know, this is part of you and it's part of your story. Yeah. But don't let it choke you out. Yeah. And being around people that you feel like you can confide in so that they can support you too in those times of being triggered. Like there's been multiple times where I'm just going to say I've become very aggressive (laughs) with my words or Mm. um, different things like that when I'm feeling unsafe. Okay. If I can't escape somewhere, if I haven't had enough alone time that day, there's times where I will literally attempt to ruin the moment so I can be alone and pushed away. Wow. And I've noticed that the times that I'm doing this is only around people that I know are going to come back. Oh, around your safe places. Around my safe places. That holds you accountable. Exactly. And that will say, okay, you can go ahead and do that. And then when you come back, what do they say? Oh, you feeling better? You're feeling better. Exactly. And And I'm still here. And I'm still here and I'm always going to be here. And I think it's important learning too of the emotions that come with it. And being able to effectively communicate to those around us that are our safe space of saying, hey, this is nothing against you. But before I get to this point, I want to let you know, I just need a little bit of space. Right. And then taking that time so that you're not ruining relationships and different things like that. It takes some humility. Lots of humility (laughs) and vulnerability. Oh, the vulnerability. I mean, this conversation, I could go down about 80 (laughs) different avenues and we could have some good convo. You're the expert. You've you've done the work and you went into it. And this is what I love about you as well. Um, You went into a field where you have to face it. Every day. Every single day. And I remember there was a time where you had taken a a position um, that was... You loved it at first and you were very excited, but then it became too much. You were reliving and the way you were experiencing others' traumas packed with your own, it became too much. And I respected you so much because you said, I had to shift. I made a shift. You shifted out from that position into another position because we have to the most important thing that I learned with my therapist too is that in those times where we felt that we weren't protected and we had no one to protect us moving forward, we have to realize that we can always protect ourselves, Even though we weren't being able to protect ourselves in that moment, we still now today we can protect ourselves so we can set um, those safety guards up and say, yep, I'm in this space. Whoa, I'm being triggered a lot. Let me make a shift <laughs> so that I don't lose everything that I've worked for to heal within. Mm-hmm. And I respected you so much for that. And then you found a new position that you could both continue your healing process and help others Yeah, at the same time. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm laughing, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I when I was in practicum, that was the position that I took if um, they kind of just like place you in graduate school yeah. at different places and I didn't really have a choice. And they're like, hey, 
you're going to a rape crisis center i'm like um (laughs) cancel cancel (laughs) abort abort this This i do not not want to do that um but i will say that before i left there how powerful that was yeah to be that space you grew a lot oh my goodness and i think that's what was hurting too i think you that was what was exponential hurting growth yes. in that short period of time yes yeah um and the people that i met yeah through that i will never forget yes um the classes i taught yeah i will never forget but there yeah. comes a time in place where you don't have to live in your trauma every single day you don't have to do it at home because because you do you are with your trauma all the time what i'm saying is if you're with it all the time at home why would you want to be at that at school right at work right all these other places but no. you don't really have to sit in that right you right. know but i made that choice can we escape it for a minute <laughs> and so i think that was the best thing is sometimes when my trauma was coming up too much it was not not only not serving me, it wasn't serving the people I was working with because I couldn't be my true authentic self because I was relating too much. Right. I was hurting too much. And I was like, wait a second, you want to be best friends? And then there was so much. Um, yeah. I went through a phase of like trauma bonding, which yes. is very unhealthy. Yes. And so yes, I was like, you yes, know what? Yes, yes. There's a piece of me that will always love this population. How can I still serve this population, but also not do this? the entire time right and how do i um how do i serve better yeah and you know i i am lucky and and blessed that i am gifted in some other areas also yes um yes, and you so are. uh <laughs> the opportunity that was presented was something that i needed to go to anyways um but i am really thankful that i was able to kind of recognize those feelings within myself and say hey yeah girl this might not be the best place yeah. for you right yeah. now it served its purpose it served for that its season purpose, and then you move on yeah and it's okay yeah you can move on so i have a final question for you yes um i know we've touched on it a little bit or a lot of it but um in relationship to your healing and to your trauma um the assault how would you say that god showed up for you um did you how how would you say he's been a part of that how did you invite him into that space i didn't Hmm. and he still was there wow and i know that sounds really interesting but it's the real honest truth is not only, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier of all the other things I lost. The other thing I lost was faith for a hot second. Yeah. Um, and I, I literally will never forget going to church. I did not want to go. I was throwing one of my adult temper tantrums. <laughs> and I went and it was the service that spoke to my heart. Mm. The first song that they sang was Defender by mm. Upper Room. Yes. Which is my go-to jam that's my go-to all the time it's so good when i thought i lost me you knew or left me you picked up all the pieces and put me back together together. that Mm. literally was the song of my soul and my heart in that moment and (sighs) i just remember sweaty palms heart racing and all trying to keep 
my fake facade on because I was in that for a long time and I still haven't told anybody. Wow. And then the conversation that was being preached that day was on trauma and the Bible verse that the pastor stated was Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, the all those who are weary and burdened, and I will give you peace. Mm. And in that moment, I figured, hey, I'm weary and burdened, <laughs> and I need some peace. And so, wow, let's test it out. Just test it. Let's test it out. Yeah. So I remember praying that night. I mean, I cried myself to sleep for probably, I mean, four years. Hmm. And I remember after that service, going to bed that night and praying to God and saying, you know what? If you're real, if you are here, if you want me to heal, if you want me to help others, whatever it is that you want me to do, do it. Hmm. Show me. And I asked, I literally asked him that. And I was like, you know, now I'm like, Sierra, calm down. But then I was like, please, like, yeah. if you're telling me that in that Bible verse that was read to in the sermon today, that those who are weary and burdened can find peace within you, show me. Mm. Because I, there is no other avenue that I can go to that I know of that has worked. Wow. And so at a point of being wow. very desperate. Yes he came in and he changed it all from the bottom up. Now take into account also that I was raised in the Christian church Mm -hmm. since I was a baby. Okay. Yes. All the way to the trauma. I still believed in God, but did I feel like he was there in that moment? No, I'm going to be honest. No, I didn't. And for a little bit of time after that, no, I didn't. My emotions were not at baseline. Hmm. So how could I feel that? Wow. Wow. And that was like the most transforming thing because since then, since that night of me telling him, well, then show up, right? <laughs> and just so you know, that is an invitation right there. You said there wasn't one. But exactly. You invited him. But I did. Okay, I go did. ahead. Um... <laughs> Thank you for pointing that you know, out. I'm I always, did. I'm always going to point you in the right direction, my love. So, <laughs> anywho, I, I I challenged him. I invited him, yes. and, and and he presented himself. Yeah. And no, I'm going to tell you this. It was not the next day. Of course, not. it was not. He's, he's not the Santa next Claus. week. No, right. <laughs> um. But I'm so glad it wasn't. Yeah. Because if it was that next day. You'd have been like, I would have been like, wait, really? what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that how I you were? I needed it to not be that next day. Yeah. And I went probably months without seeing anything. And then the Lord showed me just different avenues of not being alone. And I think that was the first step of like him really sh- like putting me in contact with different women mm. specifically. Mm-hmm that had gone through different things as me and that was his first like easing me into like hey girl you're not alone (laughs) um and so i'm forever grateful for that and then from there it kind of just 
he strengthened me up, honestly, to become more vulnerable and share and join Proverbs 31 and talk to my mom. Right. I mean, that I think that was probably the hardest thing for me was talking to my mom. Yeah. I never wanted to let her down or let her think any differently of me or let her know that I was struggling or in danger or anything like that. Yeah. And so when I finally did tell her the amount of weight that was lifted off my shoulders in that moment and having her still there and I'll never forget she drove me to the hospital that night and she was like we're gonna talk to somebody and I talked to emergency room doctor in the hospital and it was the best thing that could have ever happened because in that moment is when my healing journey started is when God gave me the strength to tell my mom my number one supporter um and i just from there it's it's been that healing painful journey um that leads you to that freedom of you know then going to proverbs 31 and listening to other girls stories and then sharing my own and being like wow i can sit in this for the first time I can tell a stranger. I didn't know anyone in Proverbs 31 except my sister. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I'd never told anyone my trauma except my mom, my sister, and another person whom we don't speak of. Yeah. And I I was able to um, just share and be heard. Yeah. And I'll never forget the room was silent. Yeah. And your face. (laughs) my My face was shocked. Yeah. And um and they weren't silent because of judgment. Oh no. They were silent because they were standing with you and giving me my space and then I'll never yeah. forget another girl after I shared my story said, "Oh wait, yep. me too." Yep. I'll never forget the moment. And what a transforming time. I never if you asked me this 10 years ago, if I would be where I am now, I would have, I know it's so cliche to say, but like, no, I would not be here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, after that, um, you know, once again, just kind of like going back to work and working with them and kind of growing through that and allowing the Lord to kind of shift me into different avenues within the trauma um, really helped. And I think, He is just, his hand is in every aspect of your life, every healing moment, every hurt moment, every time you're questioning, every time somebody kind of like betrays you with the trauma, I'm going to say, or shoves it in your face or challenges you to do something that you're like, Mm -hmm. I didn't think I was strong enough to go through that. Or even he rejects is there you. Or reject yes, rejects you. Even in the rejection. He's there. I've been faced with so many challenges, um, you know, in those years of like friends like doing things that are like really trauma triggering for me yeah. and them expecting me to just be like, 
you're healed you're fine like you're working at church you're working within that population like you should be able to handle it (laughs) and it hurts so bad and then i i just remember like you said earlier like giving yourself grace like how much grace i've had to give myself of like look at how far you've came yes look yes yes recognize that yes and love who you are and love the body that you're in and cherish that because yes it'll never go back to the way it was but it'll never be the way it is yeah and we don't want to be i don't want to be constantly becoming and you're still able to be who god created you to be even with what has happened it doesn't invalidate it doesn't invalidate who we are yeah it's something that happened that upset our systems greatly it traumatized our internal systems but it doesn't have to stop us from becoming who we were intended to be what we were born to do the gifts and the talents that we hold we still have them yeah and the relationship that you invited him into was different at that time oh yes than it was from when your parents were dragging you to church when you were a tiny little tot oh yeah because you grew up Mm -hmm. and at that moment when you said if you are real and you want me healed then you show me in that moment you began an adult relationship with your heavenly father yeah and I know it doesn't sound like you, you want to think, oh, I didn't invite him. He just should. No, you invited him because you, you, you threw it down. I did. Looking back, I, I did invite him. You're like, show up for me. <laughs> yeah. I said, and that's do it. all we have to do because he's God mm-hmm. is ask him to show up, for, show up for me. Some people's parents don't show up for them. So they, don't, they can't relate in that way. But it's a friendship, a relationship. It's a deep relationship. So you just asked him and look what he did. And then yeah. he showed you how he's been there all along. Yeah. One of our Proverbs 31 <laughs> groups, I will never forget this. So um, <laughs> we, <laughs> oh dear. it was my first time in my sister's first time asking God to show us imagery. <laughs> yeah. Oh my what a great time we had a soaking session we did have a soaking session and we laid on the floor and uh, praised god and closed our eyes and really just in the room yeah just wait in the moment and i just remember my sister and i like oh my gosh we should have skipped tonight and we were (laughs) laughing and trying not to laugh thought at first guys and then and then i was like this is so weird yeah we can't do this like he's not gonna show us anything like what are you talking about I remember calling Shahira in the morning the following day with my sister, yeah. both of us bawling our eyes out, saying, yep. Oh my goodness, look at this. And he showed me this and we this. We had to and meet, this. remember? We, oh, met. we had to meet. I said, you, We got to go to the coffee shop right now. Yes. Like, I am having a revelation. Yes. And <laughs> they came in with all of their doubt. And I said, Because uh, they didn't know what we were doing that night. And I said, we're going to do a soaking session because that's what he was showing me. He wanted, and he was showing, you know, everything Mm. I did was led by the Holy Spirit, every class. And we went through that and (laughs) you guys were over there and I didn't know you were being cynical about it, but you told me the next day. Oh no, I was like, it was so powerful. 
It was so powerful. And thorough and deep and specific. Because that's how he is. And that had nothing to do with anything. It never had anything to do with me. I was just yeah. the the hose, the, the conduit by which the water flew. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I remember sitting at my house with my mom and my sister in the morning <laughs> after the soaking session and being like, we literally all had our laptops out and our in our cell phones <laughs> typing in, what does this mean yes. if you see it in a dream? Or yeah, yeah, what yeah. is this? You know, and yeah. kind of just like looking at it. And, and we were like, oh my goodness. Like, how did he know that? Right. <laughs> right. But there we were. Um, yeah. And what a powerful, that was really the first time that I was able to actually have those images with him, which since then, my heart has been open to them and I get flooded. See? And a soaking session, in case anyone's wondering that doesn't know, is when you just take a moment. You could do it at any time of day. You quiet your space. There's this, my favorite verse, one of my favorites, is be still and know. How do you be still Mm. and know? You have to quiet your space and you have to give God an opportunity to come into that space that's quieted. I mean, quiet your mind. External quiet is good too, but. If you want to put some really soft like music on that has no words, something soft, you sit and you just quiet your mind, you quiet your space, you settle down everything inside of you, and you just sit there and you ask God to speak to you, to show you. You sit with Him and you invite Him in that you're in the presence of Him. And you sit quietly and you just give yourself a good amount of time to do it. And as you sit there and you cleanse out, I took them through a, a, what I what one of my mentors taught me how to do it, um, a process of quieting. And then you just let him show you and he'll show you pictures. He'll show mm-hmm. you visual things. He'll tell you words. He'll give you just one word. He'll show you something, but it's all about you and him. No one can... can uh, prompt that I can't you know that's not a contrived thing it's between you and him and that's when you're soaking in his presence and you sit there and then you can journal afterwards so that you can remember what he showed you yeah and and it will be timely it will be um detailed and it will be just for you and if you don't hear anything don't worry do it again exactly because Do it again. something happened in that moment the fact that yes. and he knows us like i know how i know my children right i know each of my children i know what they need at specific times they don't need the same thing they operate in different spaces it's the same thing with god he knows what languages we speak he knows what we do he knows how to reach us he knows that maybe you just need to sit there and be still i need you to just be mm-hmm. quiet and i needed not to speak to you right now but next time I'm going to say something like it's the obedience. So that's what a soaking session is like. Maybe we'll do one on here one day. I don't know. Yeah. But um, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing how, how God showed up in that. And truly that was the beginning of your true relationship with him. Yes. Because I've always said our parents take us to church. Those of us that grew up going to church or were raised, you know, going and being raised in the church are two different things. But those of us that grew up around the church environment as children, someone was bringing us there. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a choice because we're not driving. We're not allowed to say I'm not going. I'm sleeping in. No, you go. You went. But there comes a time in your life. And that's what 
the Virtuous Woman Proverbs 31 group was about. There comes a time in your life where you get to choose. Yeah. And you get to decide if you're going to have a relationship with God or not and what that's going to look like for you. So that's the most important part. Yes, it's good when we're small to have that foundation. It says if you train a child up in the way they should go, when they're Mm -hmm. old, they will not depart from it when they're old. But I need that in between time. The women in the gap. That's what the virtuous women are. Yes, the women in the gap. The women in the gap. And that gap is from, you know, anywhere time after high school to your early 40s. That's the gap where you're trying to figure things out. That's what this podcast is about, talking to those women too. Anyway, thank you. This has been everything that God needed it to be. Um, It's been further cathartic for me. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. This is just healing time for us all, and I hope Mm -hmm. someone was um, able to receive. I know (laughs) there had to be something. Yeah. That people were allowed to take from us. So thank you for being with me today. I want to have you back because there's so much more that we could talk about. Definitely. I would love to come back. We didn't hit the body imaging part. What happens in that space? We'll start recording right now. I'm just kidding. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So thank you. It was an honor to have you. And I want to thank everyone out there who joins us today, um, who listened, who sat in this space with us. I pray that it touched you in a way that will help you further on your journey of healing further on your journey in relationship with God and, and, um, help you just open up even being vulnerable and, um, give you grace and help you to forgive yourself, um, for whatever you need to forgive yourself for, um, but to love yourself and to know that you have value right now, even if somebody violated you and they stole something from you that you had no control over. You have value and we need your story and we need your voice and we need what you're carrying that you were created to bring and deposit in this world. So um, we are here every week with different episodes and if there's anything that you heard here, please share um, with someone that you care about Um, and you can also go to the love uh, hyphen manifested.com and our website where you can see some other goodies we have on there different perspectives we have our so uh survivors of the world clothing line and um you can reach us over there as well as well as see what our social media platforms are that we're a part of but i thank you all for joining us today and uh remember that as long as you have breath you're still part of god's plan so focus and manifest love wherever you go until next time bye everyone bye